You are listening to the Crossing Anchor Podcast in Detroit, Michigan. So glad to have you with us today. If this encourages you or helps, please share the word and bless others as well. Let's start with today's content. Crossing Anchor Church, so good to be with you today. I, I trust you are well. I was so excited uh, for the opportunity to get to make an investment into this house and in this season. And I just have to say before we get into the word today, I absolutely love uh, your pastors. We met uh, way back in the day when when planting a church was, was just on their heart. Yeah, they were just kind of wrestling with the dream. And I tease them often that I actually signed up to be their friend because they were going to London. And, and like, like, you know, and now, now I, don't, I don't get to go to Europe to see them, you know, and I'm a little mad, I'm a little, but uh, I'm so excited about what God is doing through your faithfulness uh, here in Detroit. How many of you know that, that to step out and plant a church and to be brave enough and, and bold enough to believe that God could do something new, it, it just, it takes a lot. And, and I want to honor you guys today and, and thank you for stepping out and doing what was difficult and doing what wasn't always easy or the popular thing. And I, I believe that your faithfulness, Pastor Josh, is going to result in, in a harvest uh, of things for the kingdom of God in Detroit. So send your pastors some love today. Uh, text them, blow up their Instagram, their Facebook, whatever means possible. Send up a smoke signal because you're so blessed to have uh, the pastors that you have of your church. Uh, my name's Brandon, and uh, I hail from the Seattle area, from the Pacific Northwest. And I've been married for, I think, 16 years. Gosh, I just hope my wife doesn't see that. Uh, 16 years. Uh, we have one daughter who's nine and a half. And then because COVID happened and because I came off the road and stayed home, we are now expecting another child. Uh, and uh, we're, we're, we're pregnant with, a, with an unexpected miracle uh, due this summer. And then because we were also crazy, uh, we got a puppy in, in COVID. I am forever frustrated with people who didn't tell me that having a dog and having a puppy are two very different things. And I didn't know what I was getting into when I signed up to get a puppy. Uh, but here we are. Life is, life is very different in this season as it is, I'm sure, for you as well. I also turned 40 uh, over, over the course of this pandemic uh, last month. And so I get to give old person messages now. I'm just, re- I'm really excited. Like I, I get to like offer old person wisdom now to you. So maybe just receive me as that today. But Above anything else, I am a proud Christ follower. I am a proud church builder. I've been a part of the same church my whole life. And it is the honor of my life to get to make an investment into local churches everywhere and, and was, was so excited about the opportunity to be with you today. And Jesus, I thank you for your word right now. I thank you that your word is life. And Jesus, wherever this, this message is being listened to, watched, um, absorbed, I pray, Jesus, that you would, you would be in that room, that you would be in that space, that even in a, in a message from, coming from a studio, Holy Spirit, you are present in the moments that we face, in the moments where we receive your word. Would you speak to us and talk to us today? Challenge us. Rearrange some things in us. Let us never be the same after this message today by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so excited that you're talking about the house this month. And uh, when I heard the topic, there was just one thing I knew I wanted to deposit into this series for you to consider today. Uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 26, and we're going to get there 
in just a second. How many of you know that everything about our culture right now is fascinated with the new? We, we love the new. Lines out the door at the Apple Store on the release day of the new iPhone. Entire weekends reserved for, for binging the new you know, series that's been released. New music that's released on your Spotify or your Apple Music. It goes to the top and replaces the old. We, we love the new. We like it better than the old. I think it's because we add up that new is better than old. That, that new is faster, new is sexier, new makes my life easier. Our generation right now is in the process of reinventing every way we do life, in fact, to make it new. You know, if everything is instant right now, everything is contactless, if I'm hungry, I don't have to make food anymore. I can open an app and in 30 minutes, hot Thai food is right at my front porch amazingly by the power of Uber Eats. If I don't want to go to the store, Instacart will now do my grocery shopping for me. We, who wants to, that's so old school to actually go to the store. Who would do that anymore? It's new to get it delivered. Uh, if I want coffee, and I'm running late. I can mobile order and walk into Starbucks like I own the place and my drink is already ready for me. We, we're, we're constantly reinventing. We love the new. If I want any item under the sun, Amazon can get it to me in sometimes as few as two hours now where I live uh, because we've made all things new. I've actually heard it said that millennials are willing to pay up to 40% more for the same thing if they can get it faster. So we have a new way of thinking. And our, our culture, funny thing, is actually finding language around this. Our, our culture now, I've, I've heard terms that are emerging that refer to this idea that new is better than old. I mean, what do you say as, so, as soon as someone says something that doesn't quite match our generation, you slap OK Boomer on there, and all of a sudden what you're saying is old isn't as good as new. We have language even around that new around that idea. We add up that new is better than old. But I want to make a case for us for just a minute as we kind of introduce the message today, that if we're going to build the kind of church that I believe honors God, if we're going to build the kind of church that sees heaven come to earth, if we're going to be potent and salty as the church is called to be in this hour and in this day, which, by the way, I hope today, as I'm talking to you as a church, I hope today that you are proud to be a Christian. I hope today that you're proud to be a Christ follower and planted in his house. Psalm 92, 13, planted in the house of the Lord. And they will flourish in the courts of our God. I know that it's not a popular time to be a Christian right now. Um, I know that it's not an easy time. Uh, but maybe uh, something that we forgot about along the way is our, our call to follow Christ was never supposed to be popular or easy, but we hold on to the promises of God. And I believe God is faithful to the faithful. And I believe that, that as you commit as a church to build the kind of house that honors God, you're going to see heaven come to earth. You're going to see God do amazing things in this hour and in this day in Detroit. So here's my premise as we get started today. If we're going to be the church that God has called us to be, uh, if we're going to be a potent church in a world that, that's just looking and, and grasping for any semblance of truth right now. Today I'm going to call us higher. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. I'm going to press some buttons. And if you're looking for a title for the first part of this message here to set this up, I want to call us today to redig the wells. To redig the wells. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 18, it says this. 
Then Isaac dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. I want you to see this. Isaac dug again the wells of water and gave them the same names his father had given him. Here's my, here's my first idea for you today. And, and context is king when we're reading scripture. Isaac, of course, is, is the patriarch, the leader, if you will, of God's people in this day. Of course, you know, we, we know him, a- Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's one of the patriarchs of our faith, the leader of the nation. And in this hour, there is famine in the land. And so Isaac and God's people have been displaced from their land to the land of the Philistines. These weren't like the warlike Philistines that we see later in Scripture, but they, they were a, a people that were not God's people, with thinking that was not according to God's ways. And so Isaac's people find themselves homeless. The, the, the funny thing was this wasn't the first time they had found themselves in this position. Abraham's generation had also been homeless and had also been in the land of the Philistines. So they had been there before. And in Abraham's day, they had dug wells in this foreign land that they were temporarily occupying, which is important. They lived in a desert. So how many of you know water and accessing water is, is absolutely vital when you live in a desert? And so then they returned home. Isaac's generation now finds themselves back in this territory. But while they were gone, the Philistines stopped up the wells. The Philistines filled in the wells with, with trash, debris, dirt, garbage. When, when I say Philistines, I just want you to think simply of a people that weren't God's people and ways that weren't God's ways. The Philistines had stopped them up, and I find this so interesting that Isaac's first act returning to this land was to re-dig the wells. And not only did he re-dig them, he gave them the same names that their fathers had given them. They didn't try to make it sexy or cool. They didn't try to reinvent it. They literally went back to something. And they said, we're going to, we're going to do the work of redigging, and we're going to call them what they are. I actually believe when I look around the local church right now, if I'm honest with you, and I get to, you know, work with and be around uh, the big C capital church often, if I'm honest with you, I feel like I see some stopped up wells in the local church right now. A well and water would represent accessing life. Jesus himself is often referred to as living water. I believe we're actually called to be wells as believers and carry the living water of Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know him, desperately needs a drink, certainly in this hour in 2021. But if I'm honest right now, I feel like there's some wells that have been stopped up by thinking that is not God's thinking and ways that aren't God's ways. And if we're going to be the kind of church that brings heaven to earth, that offers people a drink of fresh water in this hour, I believe as believers we have to access the living water of Jesus. We have to be different. We have to be potent. I just want to make a case today. We, I believe it's time for us as God's people to redig some wells. In our life. Now there's a lot of wells I think that we need to redig in our lives. I know for me this year, I am redigging the, the well of prayer. Because I think at times it's been stopped up in my life. Would you maybe agree? Maybe you found yourself in there. So maybe your Bible reading, 
or maybe your worship, we can all find ourselves in moments and in seasons where the wells get stopped up and we have to purposefully redig so that we can access Jesus and we can offer Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know him. So I, I, at times I've had to redig the well of rest in my life. At other times I've had to redig the well of forgiveness in my life. And, and not try to give these things a cool new trendy word, like call them what the Bible calls them. You know, give them the same names our forefathers gave them. The well of commitment. Just think about the, the millions of wells that could be stopped up in our lives. I believe in this hour, as, we're, as things are still a little shut down, you know, life isn't quite back to normal or isn't maybe ahead into the new normal. We're in this, this time in the season that feels like a pause. It feels like an in-between season. I just wonder if this isn't the season where we're supposed to redig some wells so that as we move forward and as our world needs to know Jesus, we have a drink of water to offer to people. I hope you received that today. That's my intro for you, is that God is calling, I believe, Cross and Anchor Church in this season to redig some wells. So I want to pivot for a minute because we're in a series on, on the house and that the house that God is building here, a house for his name and for his renown and a house that exists and lives to see heaven come to earth. And I want to talk today about a well that I'm so passionate about. It's, it's maybe one of the most defining wells in my life. It is something I have hung my faith on time and time again. And I believe something that has helped us build a church in the Northwest that's now over 50, 40 years old, that has, you know, hopefully made a dent for the kingdom of God in the Northwest. Something that's just been a stable. I want to offer this to you today. I'm going to warn you what I'm going to talk about. It's not going to be popular. And um, you're not going to hear about it a lot of places right now. But I'm going to offer this to you today because I'm just wondering if this isn't a well that we need to get back to. If maybe there's something that's been filled in that we need to redig in this season. So I want to talk for our last few minutes today on the well of honor. The well of honor. Now I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 26. And, and if you would, click, turn, get there. Uh, in your Bibles, because I want to end up sharing with you what's become a life verse for me. But starting out reading in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 26, so David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he says, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. In other words, God could take care of him. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and the water jug that are near his head. In other words, get a souvenir, show that we were here, and let's go. So let me set the stage for you for just a minute. Uh, Saul is the current king of Israel, but David has already been anointed as the next king. This is post-Goliath, so David is now a local folk hero. 
of the Bible says that, that people would run through the streets singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands, and that but David just graded Saul. Like it got to it, and so much so that Saul now has David on the run. Saul has been inflicted with an intense jealousy of David. He was the leader, God's appointed leader, but was making huge errors in judgment in this season. David is now on the run. A little bit of context again in Scripture. This is the Old Testament. This isn't uh, the nice New Testament. This is the R-rated Old Testament. Remember, in, in New Testament, it's, it's turned the other cheek, as Jesus taught us. But this is the Old Testament. This is pre-Jesus. This is eye-for-an-eye territory. Like, if someone throws a spear at you in the Old Testament, guess what? You get to throw it back. Like, like it, 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 this is, this is a, a, a time before grace came. And so, think about this. Saul has David on the run. Saul is trying to kill the next leader. David's having spears thrown at him. Literally, I know that life feels intense right now, but very few of us go through life having actual spears thrown at us. Like, we're like, our lives are in jeopardy. David's life is in jeopardy here. He has every right to return the spear. God gave him an opportunity, it could seem, to take out Saul. He found him lying asleep. He could have, like, ended the madness. David hesitated, and he didn't. Think about this. He didn't do what everyone would have done. Anyone else would have done it. Take him out. Kill him. It's over. You can, you can ascend to the throne. You'd be right to do it. But David showed us a new way forward. And in this, David became a forerunner of Christ in the Old Testament. He showed us the coming grace covenant. David left. He spared the life of an imperfect leader. Now we get down to a verse that has become my life verse in verse 23. David is now a safe distance away, kind of another hillside over. Saul's awake. He realizes his jug and his spear are gone. He and David have a conversation from a distance. And listen to what David said to Saul, the man who was trying to take his life. He said this, The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now verse 24, this is my life verse. As surely as I valued your life today. You could also say honored. As surely as I honored your life today. So may the Lord honor my life and deliver me from all trouble. If I'm honest with you, I've prayed that prayer so many times. Anytime it felt like a leader in my life got it wrong. Anytime it felt like a fellow believer in my life got it wrong, where, where dishonor had taken place. I have, when I wanted to fire back, <laughs> where I wanted to respond back, where I wanted to throw the spear back, I've taken this to the Lord in prayer and said, God, as surely as I honor your house, as surely as I honor the leaders you've placed in my life, as surely as I honor my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, God, may you honor me and deliver me from all trouble. Let me do a bit of teaching for a minute on what honor means. Honor means to elevate something. Dishonor means to devalue something. Honor causes everything to elevate, but dishonor causes everything to deteriorate. 
Dishonor brings things down. Honor lifts everything. Here's my favorite definition. Honor treats something as uncommon. Dishonor simply means to treat something as common. Think about that for a second. To dishonor something or someone just means to treat it as common, ordinary, usual. I would offer to you today that everything is better with honor. I want you to think about that for a minute. Everything is better with honor. Marriage is better with honor. Like, like can I get an amen? Like, 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 imagine your marriage with honor or dishonor. Business is better with honor. <laughs> School is better with honor. Neighborhoods are better with honor. Social media would be a heck of a lot better right now with like just a little bit of honor in there. Come on, somebody, you got to be doing laps in your living room right now. Like, that is, that is where we live. Our politics would be so much better if we had some honor. And guess what? Church is better. Church is lifted. I would actually argue that church is more potent with honor. Because Jesus taught us that, that they will know us by our love for each other. By the way that we as believers distinguish ourselves and treat each other, that, that, that's actually our potency. When we're not like the world. When we're uncommon from the things that the world experiences and the world does. God's people throughout history have been called time and time again to lead a resurgence of honor for the things of God. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 8 says, Go up into the mountains. And bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. As we're talking today, um, and I say this with, with compassion, and I say this as someone who is human like you and has wrestled with many of these issues, I can, I can hear what starts going off in our heads. Well, that's great, Brandon, but can I honor the church? The church is just so imperfect. Sometimes. My, my leader is so imperfect. Sometimes. Brandon, people have treated me poorly. I wish my church would take more of a stand. I wish my church would take less of a stand. I mean, just, just all of the dynamics. I can, I can hear it swirling. And I think this is the debris that has been filled into this well, the well of honor. It's the, degree, the debris of, I love Jesus, but. I love Jesus, but not the church. I love Jesus, but I can't stand that other person that calls himself a Christ follower. I love Jesus, but I think that's our debris. And I just want to make a case for us today that if we're going to build a potent church in 2021 that brings heaven to earth, a church that's uncommon, a church that sees heaven come to earth, I believe that we're going to have to redig the well of honor. Honor toward each other. Honor toward our leaders. Honor toward God. Honor toward the house. And maybe this will be our distinguishing factor. I want you to consider this as I close today. And I know we're kind of in like this wrestle moment. I want you to consider this. What would you say was Jesus' response to you? Does Jesus love you? Yes, of course he does. Has he forgiven you? Didn't God 
stricken his own son with the penalty of our sins so that we could be free. Just think about this for a minute. That our God went to, the, went to great lengths to save us. Now, I think we can all agree that's true. But in what condition was your life when he did that? Because Romans 5 and 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. If we were sinners and Christ died for us and gave up his life in our place, it should be then a very easy response to therefore turn and give up our lives for his purpose. That You know what? I can honor things that are imperfect because others' perfection is not a prerequisite for my honor. I can give and I can honor freely because Christ first loved and honored me and gave up his life for me. I I don't have a pre-qualification anymore to my honor. I can freely give it to any place and anyone because if, if I go searching for this perfect environment to honor, I will come up short because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. I just hope this sets you free today. And and. Maybe this message isn't for everyone. Maybe this message is for the one. The one that is watching this today, listening to this today, that would say, you know what, I've, I'm recognizing there's been some debris in this well. I'm recognizing there's some debris in the well of my honor, and I want to commit today to redig the well of honor. I'm going to commit to honor others even if they don't honor me. I'm going to commit to honor the house of God to serve it, to love it, to build it as the plan and purpose of God that it is. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor my leaders. I'm going to stay submitted and planted under godly authority when the world is rebelling against authority. I'm going to be uncommon. I'm going to be distinct. I'm going to be unusual. And maybe in this hour, maybe in this day, that will be our potency. You're, you're going to have to risk being uncommon. So, my challenge for you today, Cross and Anchor Church, is are you willing to redig the well of honor? Not because of what anyone has done, but because of Jesus and his plan and his purpose. We, we are the bride of Christ. He is truly building a house. Thank God for what he's doing at Cross and Anchor. Great days to come, but I believe honor will be one of the pillars that builds the house. I'll close with a personal story. Um, Nine years ago, I was sitting on a dream that no one knew about. I had a dream to serve the capital C, big C church. No one knew about it. My wife knew, and that was it. It had been a dream of mine for a decade. Since my earliest days in Bible school, I just always you know, had a sense that God wanted to do that. But for 10 years, I sat on that dream. In 10 years, I was on our church staff. And my pastors didn't know. No one knew. Well, one day, it was the Monday before Thanksgiving, 2011, I got called into my pastor's office, and uh, it, was, it was unusual. Things were going well at the time, but we were in the throes of the economic downturn still. He called me in, and he said, Brandon, I have terrible news for you. He said, um, you've done nothing wrong, nothing to deserve this, but I have to let you go today. Um, I can't pay you. Um, in fact, about 10 people lost their job that day. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a hard season for our church. And in that moment, I knew that my honor was going to be tested. I had done nothing wrong. I, I was facing all of the fear and pressure and anxiety that was coming with that. And he even released me to go to another church if I needed to or whatever. There, there, was, there, was, there was 
um, a lot of permission there, but I looked at him and I said, I would rather volunteer here than be paid to go anywhere. Like, I'm, God called me here. I'm here. And over the next month, um, he came alongside me. We agreed that I would step out to launch a new ministry, of which we get to do today, and we get to crisscross North America and the world and help, help a lot of places. But back then, it was just this dream. But I remember those days of fighting for my honor. Because there were days where I felt so misunderstood. There were days where I felt like I had done nothing wrong or, you know, to deserve this. Why, why, why me? I went through all the mind monsters and all the things. God proceeded to do a miracle in my life in that season. God proceeded to write a whole new story. But you know the verse I prayed? It was in 1 Samuel 26, verse 24. Surely as I have honored the house today, God, may you honor me. I didn't, didn't speak out negatively, didn't post on social media, didn't talk about my imperfect leaders, didn't do any of it. I gave it to God. And I will tell you, God has written a miracle in our ministry and a miracle in my life and in my family. And today we are standing, thriving, living in what we consider to be the, the perfect plan of God for our life. I trace it back to honor. I trace it back to treating his plan and his purpose and his house above my own life, to honoring and elevating something to the place that I think is in the heart of God. And I offer that to you today. If God did it for me, I believe he'll do it for you. So Jesus, I pray today that you would break our heart again for the mission of the church. I pray today, Jesus, that you would um, give us your heart for your house, for your bride, for your church, Jesus. If we have in any way, shape, or form treated what you're building and what you're doing as common or ordinary or usual, if, there, if there's debris in the well, Jesus, we repent right now. And we commit today, we're going to redig the well of honor toward, toward you, toward your house, toward leaders, toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, as we do, I pray that you would so distinguish Cross and Anchor Church in this hour and in this day. May it be a bright light for the glory of the kingdom of God in this hour, in Jesus' name. In fact, if you would just stay in a moment of prayer, if you're watching this today, listening to this today, and you don't know Christ, or I also have a real burden on my heart today for anyone who's away from Christ, deconstructing in this whole season. I just want to tell you, God loves you. He can handle your questions. He can handle your sin. The cross is bigger than all of that. But if you'll open up your life to him today, and if you'll just give him a new space in your heart, I believe in this season he wants to come and refill you. If you'll commit to redig the wells, I believe you'll find Jesus all over again. In fact, if you would, would you just pray after me? Say, Jesus, I give you my life today. I give you my heart today. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. I turn from my own way, and I acknowledge you first today. Help me to be faithful to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, let me be the first to say welcome to the family of God. Would you please tell the team? Would you please tell someone? We are so excited for you. My honor to, to get to pray that prayer with you. And for all of you who serve and are on team and build and want to represent your church well, keep walking strong in this season. It's not easy. It's not popular, but it's worth it. Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Cross and Anchor podcast from Detroit, Michigan. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and share this with others. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.
and let's live our lives on purpose this week.